Ladies and gentlemen, good evening, and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs on February 22nd, 2021. The Cleveland Cavaliers have dropped 10 straight. The power forward position is in flux, and Jared Allen put up a historically great night, playing 41 minutes and 51 seconds. We'll be talking about last night's game. What we want to see from Isaac Okoro moving forward, Kevin Love's eventual return, the backup center position. And of course, is Colin Sexton an all-star in 2021? Here to break that all down with me, host of the Cavalier Central podcast. He is Justin Matcham. It is good to have you back, my friend. It is good to be back, Zach. Um, in flux is a good word not to describe uh, the power forward position for this team right now, but I would say the team as a whole. Yeah, that's uh, and if and if you have any Scrabble fans, you can get flux down there and a triple word, maybe a double letter in there. You will win the game. However, we don't like flux when we're talking about our favorite team. Unfortunately, you want things to be fluid. Another good word. You want them to be fluid, and you want everything to kind of be running smooth. So, Justin, right off the bat, I think that. Before we talk about all the elephants in the room, let's talk about the fro in the room. Jared Allen had himself a night. Yeah, Jared Allen uh, against the the Thunder last night, um, 26 and 17, obviously, um, had three blocks as well, a couple of assists, uh, shot perfect from the field, uh, 11 for 11, uh, really just was dominant in the paint, uh, caught, it seemed like four or five, I'm not sure exactly, lobs. Uh, you know, was was really, really active on the offensive glass and getting putbacks that way and getting to the line. Um, he went four for seven from the free throw line, which isn't the best in the world, but, you know, I mean, it's not like – it's it, you could be worse. But, you know, it's it's good to see that he's getting there again. A lot of those were off those offensive rebounds. So just good that he's – you know, he's not shying away from contact down there. Um, overall, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> in a night where there are a lot of elephants in the room uh, – Jared Allen was not one of them. I thought he was spectacular. Uh, one, one, the, the biggest knock that I guess I can say I have on him was there were, and we, we mentioned it, you know, before, uh, before we were recording here, but there were some lazy outlet passes in this game that resulted in turnovers. And there were just, there were so many bad turnovers in this game, but uh, Jared Allen was responsible for a couple of those. There were just a couple that, you know, he just kind of threw down the court to nobody. Uh, one where, you know, Al Horford was the furthest guy down the court and he just kind of chucked it and clearly Al Horford got to it. Um, and, and part of that could be frustration. I'm not really sure, but overall, yeah, Jared Allen was, was not the area of concern last night. He was about the only guy that, that truly kept us in that game. I would say. Yeah. Jared Allen had the highest offensive rating of any player in that game. And for anybody that doesn't know offensive rating is how many points you'll get per hundred possessions with, that player in for Jared Allen was 155. Uh, the defensive rating, though, across the board was just bad. Everybody was over at least 118. The worst was Sexton and Windler tied at 129. Plenty of, of negative things to really add in there, but Jared Allen, obviously not one of them, finished yet. 26, 17, and three blocks. He's also had the 23, 18, and five block game as well. You know, I'm a little worried, though, Justin, because initially it was thought of that the Cavs might have an issue when they first got Allen between Drummond, T, and McGee, that maybe they have too many decent centers, right, and they won't be able to spread the minutes. However, JaVale McGee, I don't even know if he was good or bad because he got three minutes in the first half, 
and three minutes in the second. Didn't even play the fourth quarter. I don't think he played the second either. Just a weird situation in that instance. Because I, I know Allen was doing a lot of heavy lifting, but at the same time, might have asked a little too much of him. Well, you can you can argue, I guess, that maybe they asked more too much of him. But at the same time, it's not like they asked for more than you know he could handle. Obviously, I thought he he played solid throughout the entire game. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the um, the center problem that we thought we were going to have. Uh, Andre took care of that problem by basically giving up on the floor and the two sides coming to an agreement that he wouldn't play anymore until the uh, decided on a trade or you know agreed to a trade or if a buyout happens, a buyout happens. Either way. Andre Drummond's done here, but um, yeah, I, I guess I can understand. I thought, you know, JaVale was fine in the minutes that he played. I uh, had that one kind of nice hook kind of weird shot in the lane that barely went in, but it yep. did go in. Uh, overall, I thought it, in the minutes that JaVale plays, even through a stretch like this, um, he, he always gives it his all, but I, at the same time, I can understand play. It, it's not like, you know, I, I guess I, I get saying that, you know, why is a guy like JaVale McGee only playing six minutes when, you know, you only have two centers playing, but with as good as Jared Allen was in a game that, you know, they were sort of kind of in the, in the entire time until the end, obviously when they kind of just got blown open, uh, it was, it was a 10 point game there for a good while. But I, I think at that point they kind of needed Allen to stay in the game just to stay afloat. So from that perspective, I can see keeping Allen in. Yeah, you know, fair enough. It's just it's a lot to ask when the team is just amidst the skid. You're shorthanded to see your center. I mean, it just it's just weird in today's game for a center to play that many minutes. I'm fine with it. I think I don't think the Grizzlies know how to give Jonas Valanciunas enough minutes. He usually gets about 27 to 29. It's a very different situation. Although the Grizzlies could argue they've had worse injury issues than the Cavs this year. Although Kevin Love's played two. Okay, I, yeah. Okay, we're not here to talk about the Grizzlies anyway talked about Jared Allen and how he was literally incredible you know I love what he's done since getting to the Cavs you know it was definitely uh, worth the only to give up was Exum and a future pick you get Torian who should be around for a little while and obviously the fro who has been incredible so talk about Jared Allen there weren't many pluses you know we don't need to talk about Garland or Sexton everyone who watched the game knows that you know, they combined for 48 points. Both of them shot exactly 50%. They were only 3 of 11 from 3, but they were 9 of 11 at the line, 11 assists, 8 rebounds, only 6 turnovers. And I say only, but, I mean, it could have been worse, given that uh, Shea Gilgis, Theo Maladone are very active in the passing lane, as is Lou Dort. Isaac Okoro took 11 threes, Justin, and I thought, this. And other than that one corner air ball, which did lead to an Allen rebound and dunk, I thought he looked yes. pretty good on the offensive end. And I'm, I know he missed seven. Four of 11 is like, what, 36%. I think it's 36.4. Yes, it Just over 36. Yeah, and I, I'll take that any day. If he's confident enough to shoot that many times, and I know that I hate that he had half of the threes that they made, but at the same time, that's four threes from a guy that's not supposed to be able to shoot. I mean, that's better than MKG ever was for what it's worth. It's it absolutely is better than MKG ever was. And there's been, I'm not sure exactly. I don't have the numbers pulled up in front of me right now. I'm not sure exactly what Isaac Okoro is shooting right now in the season. Uh, I think it's still sub 30% if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, it, it's, it's clear with Isaac that the shot, I, I believe the shot will get there. Uh, I, I've, you know, from, from what I saw of him before the season as a, a prospect 
and coming into the season, you know, looking at a shot in preseason and then here at the beginning of the season, um, the, the shot I think looks fine. It's a little bit flat sometimes. And I think that that, you know, becomes apparent uh, that he just kind of shoots a little bit of a flat ball and that, that hurts sometimes, but at the same time, it's, it's just with some of the shots that he takes and just the comfortability that he has taking them, obviously, I mean, he took 12 shots in this game and only one of them were inside the arc. Yep. Um, he, he, there's a level of comfortability there. And even, you know, he airballed a shot and he comes back and, you know, misses a couple more, but keeps on shooting. Um, the, the difficulty of some of the shots he'd taken, you know, and made so far this season, I think is also kind of telling, you know, he's hit not like step back, step backs, but, you know, off the move sidesteps. Uh, I think we have seen a couple of step backs from this year as well. Uh, so you, you can just tell that this guy is, he's never going to be a great shooter. I don't think, but you, you can tell that it's kind of there. Um, like I said, I, this is a guy who I would expect to, you know, be about, I've always kind of thought he would be more of a 35% shooter, uh, you know, at the peak of his career. And I still believe that. And I, that's, that's good. That's what you want from him with the defensive, the defensive presence that he brings. Um, I think a guy who can hit 35% of his shots and do what he does on the other end of the floor and do other things on the offensive end. I still think that, you know, he, he hasn't had as much of a chance to really, and part of it is he's a rookie too, and, you know, and he's still kind of just learning and adapting to the game. And he's, he's gone through a little bit of a rough stretch here, but I still like some of the other things he does on the floor. Um, I think he's a good enough athlete to where he can get into the paint. Uh, one other just major aspect of improvement that I would like to see from Orcoro is not just finishing around the rim, but decision-making around the rim. Uh, there are times there where I think he kind of shies away from contact to get a, you know, a shot to fall. Um, I've seen, you know, he, he likes to kind of go to that reverse more often than I think he should. I think, that, I don't know if it was in this game or the game before, but he, he drove and got right into the lane and instead of just taking contact and going right up at the right side of the hoop, he kind of tries to flip it over to the left side of the hoop. And it just it wasn't a good shot at that point. It didn't go in. Whereas I think he could have had, you know, two free throws and possibly an and one if he had just gone, you know, straight and strong. So I would like to see the decision making there improve a little bit. But again, this guy is he's 32 games into his career, like things like that. I'm not concerned about, but. I think just overall looking at Okoro, like I am not concerned at all with where he's at right now. Um, after a game like this, like, yeah, again, the shooting wasn't outstanding. Uh, he, he, he made some, some silly defensive mistakes in this game as well. Uh, fouling shooters. And I think he, he had another one where he, he fouled, you know, a three point shooter, but overall I, I am, I'm just fine with where Isaac Okoro is right now. And that's coming from someone who was very, very high on him to start the season. Yeah. I'm with that. I'm with most of what you said there. I don't really have any strong things to disagree with. He's shooting 39% from the field, 29 from three. And I think that at the end of the day, a guy I'd love to see him emulate as he starts to grow as a player. And I don't think he'll ever be as good as maybe he can be. That would be great for the Cavs is Marcus Smart, who he hits big shots. He's made game winning shots. And yet he's usually field goal wise under 40. He's maybe, I think his career high might've been 41%. I think last this year, I think it was only at 38 given his impact on the game and that they win in spite of his shooting or because of his shooting, it's always one or the other. It, it doesn't make, it's not the make or break, but it has an impact still. I'd love to see him with the confidence of Marcus smart when he is eventually to shoot, whether or not that's going two for nine or six for nine, it could change game to game. You never know when you make one shot to start a game, it changes everything. I mean, it's very different when you play pickup when I'm out there and I make, and I miss my first shot. Usually I only give it one or two more and I'm a little more hesitant. I'd rather pass to someone else who I know can also shoot. 
But in the case I make my first shot, if Okoro gets hot early, you know, then keep feeding him, which is why I think he made one of his first two yesterday, which is why he started to feel good. And yeah, I'd love to see better decision-making around him. I think that's big for him. I think it'll come in time. I just wish there were voices in his ear telling him that. I just feel like the way the Cavs are set right now, they don't have any veteran forwards that are good at finishing through contact. It's really only Colin, I would say, that is – Drummond was getting a lot of and ones, but he's a he's a 6'10 center. It's very different than being you know, 6'5 and a guard that doesn't like contact. So we'll see. Let's talk about the bench. Right. Uh, last night, I mean, I first half numbers are very telling of this bench. Four guys got in. Winler minus nine. Dotson minus 10. Stevens minus 12. McGee minus 10. Here are the minutes going from Winler down through McGee with Dotson and Stevens in between. 746, 627, 555, 309. I mean, they didn't really care to play them at all. Whatever. I mean, they weren't getting it done. But Justin, I know no Torian. Uh, no Nance or Love, one who would have initially probably started, one who probably would have come off the bench. You know, it's, it's a weird situation. They don't have any of these veteran in-between guys anymore. Dean Wade was the only guy not playing that could have played. I don't know. I think Bolden is with the Bolden is in the bubble right now. He's and, with the uh, Do they have anyone else on the roster? In the No, it's just him, right, that's, that's yes. over there? On, yeah. the, on the main roster, yes. On the main roster. Delvadova had appendicitis. I don't know what this is going to mean. It probably means – if anything, second half it stinks. He hasn't played yet, but are you blaming? I'll give you three choices here for the, and overall the bench didn't do much. Lamar was the only one to get points in the first half. He did it at the line. Are you going to blame the, the bench players themselves for maybe being out of their usual role with other guys being out. That's option one. Option two, do you blame JB for not exactly showing trust? I mean, they didn't know they were going to get the quick hook, but whatever, or C were they just uninspired that, they might've come in and said, Hey, we're not playing a contender for the first time in three weeks. Maybe we'll just beat them because they've also lost a lot. They had lost six to seven coming in. So which of those three would you say is the most likely culprit? I think it's option one. Uh, and, you know, you can factor in. I don't think that, you know, you could just look at it and say it's just one of any of the three. I think, you know, there are always kind of aspects of all of those that can apply but I think mostly it was just option one here. And it's it's just kind of the story of this team right now is they're just going through it shooting-wise. Um, Dylan Windler and Damian Dotson, two guys who are, you know, supposed to be shooting the ball well or just not. And I think that both of them are doing, you know, still some good things. Uh, Damian Dotson, again, is playing in a role that, you know, he was not expected to be in this year um, as essentially a, the point guard when he gets in the game. Uh, and that's, that's just not really, you know, the role that I believe he's best in. And I think he's done a fine job. He had a really nice alley-oop to, uh, to Jared Allen in that game. He had two other assists. But when he, you just – he's struggling. To, he is struggling to shoot the ball. When Dylan Windler is struggling to shoot the ball, that he, he has struggled. Um, Dylan's just struggled from the field in general. And, again, like there are some defensive instincts that I think are there. Um, they're not – you know, the, the defense overall isn't making a huge impact right now. But I just think when, again, when the shooting is just not there um, from either of them. And again, like I think JaVale played fine in the minutes that he gave, but I think that was more of just an Allen needs to be on the floor right now type of thing. And with Lamar Stevens, again, it's just another guy who isn't really going to do anything for you spacing wise. 
I guess you could have made an argument to play Lamar Stevens more in this game, if anything. Uh, he only played eight minutes. Uh, Jetty played 33 and a half. Um, but other than that, I think it's just it's hard to keep those guys on the floor and stay in the game when Windler and Dotson are shooting the ball the way they are. And when, you know, when Colin came out of the game in the first half, they got smoked. Um, and it wasn't for long, obviously. But when... <laughs> When, you know, the only guys who can really create their own shots are in the starting lineup, it can be hard to get those other guys in there. And I think this is just kind of an example of a night where, you know, the, the bench is so thin anyway. Um, if this team was fully healthy, Lamar would not be getting minutes. If this team was fully healthy, Damian Dotson probably wouldn't be getting minutes. Um, you know, JaVale might get some because even if there's healthy, you know, Andre isn't going to be there. I think Dylan would be there in a limited role as well. But again, I think with a guy like Windler, part of the reason that he is struggling right now is because, again, he's being asked to do something that I don't think he's exactly ready to do right now. Um, he's, you know, trying, and it's good to have him try. It's good to have him experiment and work through some things. But Dylan's on-ball creation right now is just not there. Um, you know, his ability to drive and finish, um, he's not a strong finisher around the rim. Uh, he doesn't really have he has an okay handle, but I don't think he has enough of a handle and he doesn't have enough burst to get around guys on drives. Um, so, you know, it's hard for him to make an impact when they're looking to him to create his own offense because you just have so many of your offensive engines out. Um, you know, that's a guy who you would love to see just come in the game and fly around screens and be able to just do that and work off ball and, you know, take threes. And even if he's not, you know, taking a lot of shots, just be out there to impact spacing. But I just think overall for, for multiple reasons, you know, a guy like him is struggling. A guy like Damian Dotson is struggling. And again, in a, in a night where this game was at least semi-competitive for the majority of the game, I'd say, I think I, I don't blame JB for, for running the starters as much as he did. And I don't think this is something that you should do every night. And it really hasn't been something they've been doing every night, but I, I can understand it in this case in a time when, you know, I mean, this is 10 straight losses now. This team could use a win just, you know, for their own spirits. So I, I understand trying to just go all in with the starting unit in this particular case. Yeah, it's fair enough. And you bring up Windler. I just go back to his senior season at Belmont. I know it was already two years ago, but he worked his way from being a four-point-a-game guy to 9 to 17 to 21, upping his rebounds every single year. He made 100 threes as a senior. I, I know he's not playing against the type of competition that Belmont does. They're not exactly in a high-end conference. So it's not like he's seeing the best names out there. But if I remember correctly, he did have a 39-point game in the – I think it was against uh, Fairleigh Dickinson in the uh, first four in 20, uh, 2019. He's, just, he's a great player. He does a lot for you, and I hate – that he just he has he doesn't have confidence and I know it's hard as a rookie especially when you're a second year rookie there's been a lot of second year rookies uh, in recent years Michael Porter Jr. is probably the most notable since Blake Griffin Ben Simmons and B was a rare third year rookie you don't get too many guys that miss a whole rookie season and are still impact players I mean Porter had a very nice season with Denver but he hit he had ups and downs I don't expect Del Miller to even sniff the top of Michael Porter's status when he was averaging 25 for a while in the bubble. Also, it seems Denver doesn't like him anymore. I hope the Cavs, Cavs can just make a move. That's, that's unrealistic and, uh, for many reasons. But him playing 19 minutes when they have five guys out is not a good look. I'll say that. But 
I want Willard to shoot the ball with confidence. I don't care. The fact that Okoro has confidence and Willard doesn't, I don't know what that means. I don't know what, what's being said in practice. I, I don't. Obviously, practices are at an all-time low because of COVID, although I think that as the season develops, now that uh, teams near me in Jersey, New York, have fans this week, which is crazy, or New York, I should say, both Nets and Knicks. Nets, Nets are obviously not Jersey anymore. I think that's really cool. So maybe perhaps as things start to normalize, these guys can start getting to know each other off the court. I don't know if that's an issue or not, but as you know, Justin, anyone listening knows you can't hang out anymore outside of the games. You know, all bonding is done in the locker room and at halftime, you know, you can't even eat with everybody anymore. Not, not anywhere. Cause you can't have that many people in a, in a secluded space. And when you're on the road, the best bet is to get a group chat going on PlayStation. If you all travel with your PlayStation, so come up to the hotel TVs and you can all get into the, go into the, the blacktop and play five on five with all your, my team guys. That's the only time you can have a group chat. And when you're in a chat room with 10 people, it's going to be very unstructured as all of us know from these long form zooms, whether it's for a class or for a panel or whatever, when the mics are muted, it's a disaster. So that's what bonding is right now. So hopefully as things get normal, that happens. And obviously you know, these guys do seem tight. They're going through it all together. So they have that in common, but I just feel like maybe the drumming issues don't even arise. If you could actually hang with these guys away. Cause you, every guy I've had on across the Cavs as a guest, every former Cav, whether it be Mark price or Kevin Jones or said Henderson, Jeff McGinnis, whoever, they're all talk about bonding because some of them played, you know, with LeBron and some of them played with Mark, right? And then some, you know, Gauss and other things like they, they had these experiences with these star players. So that's part of it. There's really not much else to add here. Just, I want to talk about, about our friend, Kevin, not Kevin Jones, not Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank, our friend Kevin Love, who has only played two games seems to be in good spirits. I thought he did a great job on the broadcast a few weeks ago, and I'm happy they actually got him in a close game so we didn't have to hear the authenticity. Man, we, you know, and whatever. Not that not that I assume Kevin Love would even think about that on air. Kevin Love has a great personality, and he's smooth with the mic. But how much do they miss him? And do you think he's actually going to play before the second half starts? Because they only have, what, five games left unless they get one of the ones that were uh, postponed on the schedule, which I could see happening on an off day, or are we just going to have to wait another two weeks to get Kev on the court? Obviously um, I don't know, but it almost seems like at this point, the plan might just be to bring him back after the all-star break, which is kind of frustrating to say, um, you know, if you've been keeping up with, you know, Fedor uh, either through his tweets or, um, on his own podcast, you know, you've been hearing that, yeah, I think he could be back soon. Um, Fedor had actually said that he thought, you know, there was a good chance he'd be back two games ago. And if not two games ago, then last night. And obviously he wasn't back last night. Obviously, you know, we've, we've been hearing about some progress with him. Um, obviously <laughs> he's clearly not on the uh, original timetable and the Cavaliers came out and said that, you know, they were going to take their time with him, but We've heard about the workouts, you know, being here, and that seems to be going well. He progressed into some some practice time as well, and that's all good things to hear. But I'm just, I'm not sure right now, uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not until after this All Star break, just to give him that extra amount of time um, to play it as safe as you possibly can, and just hope that that second half of the season, you know, you, you can have him for the majority of the time. Yeah. 
And I hope so. I mean, it's the second time in three years that we've hardly even gotten to know him. You know, uh, last year they were better when he played. Two years ago, I think they were 500 in just 22 games. Without him, it was a borderline JV team almost. I mean, they had 27 guys. Pat McCaw experience. Andrew Harrison even looked very good. I mean, it was cool to see Andrew Harrison. Him and his brother were great in college. I just don't think they were NBA stars, obviously, but you know, I hope he comes back. I hope Larry comes back. So I'm missing both of them. But let's talk about, we talk, not really a ton to add about Larry. We know it's going to be until mid-March. And hopefully when he comes back, you know, he's able to make that impact. I mean, he was a terrific defensive player. He was leading the league in steals, deflections, uh, crazy dunks. He was probably in the top five, although there's not an official stat for what makes it crazy. If every team got to submit their crazy dunk rankings, I think Anthony Edwards' one dunk would count 300 times. So thankfully, yeah, <laughs> that was great though. I mean, I, I just like to say rest in peace to Yuta Watanabe ever becoming a non-household name ever again. Because he Shout just, out to Yuta Watanabe for, for standing up and trying to contest the shot. Yeah, he I'll tried to stand, guys for doing that. I will absolutely. always respect guys for doing that. Yeah, he tried to stop it. He just, uh, unfortunately, thankfully Kevin Harlan wasn't on the call because I, I remember correctly with Barrage, I was saying something about he has no, no, no regard for human life. For human life, yeah. So if Kevin Harlan was on, I don't know what he would have said. He, he probably he would have had something great. But it's cool to see that he's getting the recognition because I remember him from the Grizzlies the last couple of years. And also in, in Utah's and sorry in, in Utah's defense, um, I wouldn't have expected Edwards to rise up and dunk it from that far away either. Whether he thought he even had a chance of dunking that or not, like we don't even know. Like he was that far away from the rim, he may have just thought he was contesting a layup, and then all of a sudden, Edwards just takes off. So yeah, that's fair. And you know, Anthony Edwards dunk wasn't the only uh, major slam from that game. Nate Duncan, NBA writer, decided to bash Anthony Edwards after and say, "Oh, but he shot three of fourteen, oh of seven from three. I've never seen a writer get that much clout, probably ever, during a game for something they said. But that is just a bad take, my friend. I mean, good for you, Nate Duncan for finding a way on a full slate of NBA games to say something that everyone pays attention to, whether or not you tried, it's probably one of those, right, Justin, where you send the tweet, you think I'll get a couple hundred interactions, likes, comments, but not much. Like I'm just saying something people think, right? It's nothing. These writers follow the teams and they tweet all game and they usually have one or two really good tweets and the rest are just, you know, whatever. And I he probably didn't expect his phone to do what it did. I mean, he was speaking facts, but at the same time, he's a rookie. The team had no direction. They have seven wins. They just also just fired their coach. And we're going to get right back to the Cavs. And he's just out here trying to bash Anthony Edwards for not making shots. Bro, he just made a dunk that counted for four points. Did you see that scoreboard? Like, come on, Nate Duncan. When have you ever dunked the ball for four points in a non-NBA jam setting, right? Like, come on. But, you know, I, I thought it's we had – it is worth saying uh, Cleveland's own Chris Fedor also had a tweet very, very similar to uh, Nate Duncan saying basically the same thing. Uh, obviously didn't get as many interactions, but uh, I don't know. It's just kind of how Nate Duncan is. He does just kind of, and I'm not even bashing Nate Duncan. Like, honestly, like I, I listened to some of his content. It's good stuff. Like he's a very smart guy, Yeah, I but that's agree. just kind of how he is <laughs> as far as he's always going to be the, the kind of, and I, I guess the downer, in the situation like that's 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 always just kind of how he is you know he's i i i understand celebrating the dunk um i also understand that you know anthony edwards didn't have a great game like it's it's 
fair to say that he didn't have a great game. Like, I don't think that he should have been crucified the way that he was. Like, <laughs> Nate Duncan wasn't wrong. But at the same time, like, we, we can all enjoy the dunk. Like, well, it was a good dunk. It was a good play. Well, the Stephen A meme, you know, you're not wrong, but you didn't have to, didn't say, have to say it. it. You know, that's, a, that, that's an appropriate meme for the time. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, I should have just played the audio, but I was working on my Stephen A impression. So I thought we had to just kind of lay it all out there. But <laughs> All right. You Justin. know, it wasn't a bad impression. Thank you. And, and Justin's heard my heard my jokes. You go we go back on our, our early days on Cavalier Central might have been across the Cavs or I had a I forced a pun in and I got good reviews while Dan our, our Dan uh, didn't like it so much. Dan Jelinski, King James Gospel, but whatever, you know, Dan's not here. We're going to get our jokes in and uh, we'll make sure he hears them after for his grade, which we'll come back with anyway. Thank two you. More, you down. Yes. He also keep, keeps it, keeps it very, you know, keeps it real. So keep us modest, you know, anyway, two more things to talk about. One JaVale, one Colin. So, Justin, JaVale McGee, is he going to uh, – it's a two-parter. I'm going to give it to you both for it right away. Uh, is JaVale going to stay put? Do you think he should stay put, I should say? If not – so that's part one. And part two, should the Cavs search for a young big man, maybe in free agency or in, in a trade? Because if they're only going to play him six minutes, if anything, wouldn't you want to get those types of minutes for someone else? I think JaVale was doing fine in whatever mentor role he's serving. I don't, I don't even know – how he great if he's doing a good job because Jared Allen was already having these types of performances. And one of the other bigs decided to kind of quit since what, what are your thoughts on the backup center situation? Well, I think, and this has always been my thought process ever since we traded for Jared Allen and it's, it's shifted slightly just because Andre Drummond is sitting right now. Um, I'm still the belief that if the Cavaliers can get an asset for JaVale McGee, they should do so. If the Cavaliers can get a, you know, solid second round pick for JaVale. Um, why not? At this point, this team is not a playoff team. I think that is fair to say um, February was always going to be a struggle for this team. And those struggles are now real. They are here. We are experiencing them. And I think it's just fair to say that this team is not going to be in the playoffs. Um, JaVale McGee does have value right now because he's the only active veteran on the team. Uh, again, Tarian and um, Kevin should be back soon. Uh, Larry will be back at some point, you know, Andre's around and all these guys are around. Uh, Delhi will be hopefully back at some point, but at this, you know, exact moment, <laughs> JaVale is the only veteran player on the team. I think that there's some value to having him on the floor, even if it isn't limited minutes, but yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think anything is imminent because I think teams are all kind of waiting to see at least teams that are kind of in the center market, are kind of waiting to see what happens with Andre Drummond because a lot of these teams that are in the market for a center want to see if he does get bought out, want to see where he goes. And then if Andre Drummond is off the table, then teams might start looking into other options as to, okay, you know, where else can we improve on the margins here? JaVale McGee might be a guy that uh, a team like the Miami Heat might go after or, you know, whoever else. But um, I think I think the Nets have been you know kind of the train that I've been on for a long time. I'm kind of off that now that they've got Noah Vonley, and they they filled out their roster. They signed a couple of defensive wings and uh, Iman Shumpert and Andre Roberson as well. But yeah, um, I think at this point the Cavaliers aren't contending. Uh, it it'll be fine to see if you can get an asset for them. I don't think uh, that they can get anything for them at this exact moment. I think that's okay because they kind of need them to at least play some minutes right now. As far as looking at other young center options, uh, yeah, why not? Um, 
I don't think that it's an absolute must. Like I'm not suggesting that they just waive JaVale right now to find somebody young to play because being realistic, you know, how many young legitimate options are there out there right now? Uh, we could bring back Thon Maker if we really wanted to, but uh, I don't know if it's worth taking a midseason flyer on somebody and, you know, getting rid of JaVale McGee just to do that. I don't think that there's any reason to get rid of him right now, unless it's to get an asset. Uh, if the trade deadline passes and you're unable to get anything for him, uh, then sure, negotiate a buyout, and then you can look to those options. But I think we should wait it out, uh, play him while he's here, and see if you can get anything for him. And if, if not, then, yeah, you can start looking at those center options either on 10 days throughout the rest of the season. Uh, maybe you maybe you convert Lamar Stevens, you know, with that open roster spot. And, well, I guess at that point, take that back because you can't sign two-way contracts on the stretch of the season. But anyway, yeah, I think it'll happen eventually that, you know, we'll kind of look to get younger in that position. I don't think JaVale has a future necessarily in Cleveland, but um, I think he's here right now. And I think the Cavaliers should accept, you know, an asset for him in a trade if it's presented to them. Yeah, no, I agree. We'll see what the Heat end up doing. Precious Ashua not getting a ton of run. They're really leaning heavily on Bam. I don't think they trust the rookie just yet. Also, he's not too big. He can play the center spot, but a little bit on the smaller side. Yeah, and we'll see. Any chance that Marquise Bolden could get those minutes? Or it doesn't seem that uh, JB has an affinity for the, the G League type guys. Like, he doesn't give Dean Wade any more minutes than he has to. And I would assume the same for Bolden. Maybe I'm wrong, though, when he comes back from the bubble or they can call him in if they need to. Yeah, yeah. Um... I think with the Geely bubble going on right now, he's probably just going to play out the season there, or at least the majority of it. Uh, and I think that's good for him. I think he needs to get those reps, uh, maybe against some lower competition where he can really just work and play and play a big role. Um, I think he's doing the minutes that he's getting there are more valuable right now than the minutes he would be getting up here, which would be very, very slim. And with, you know, better players on the floor that would limit his role on the floor. So, yeah. Um, I, I would like to see Marquise come up, you know, in the second half and maybe get a little bit of run if we decide to move on from some of the vets. Um, I think that would be good for him. I've, uh, Marquise Bolden is another guy who I have liked, you know, since we brought him in. Uh, I am happy to finally see him on an actual roster spot, not just – I mean, it, and it's a two-way, but actually be, you know, part of the, the main team, at least in some fashion. Uh, yeah, I think that Marquise is a guy there. Uh, I wouldn't hate them looking – at, you know, some sort of other options in, in the draft. Obviously, they only have one pick in the coming draft, and that is, you know, the, the at this point, looking to be pretty high lottery pick. Um, if a guy like Evan Mobley is there, uh, I think it's an interesting fit. And obviously, I have a lot more uh, prospect research and work to do. But it seems like that's a guy who could maybe kind of play next to Jared Allen in the front court. Uh, he has the ability to space the floor and uh, has some, some on-ball creation ability. Seems like he, you know, has is mobile enough to be able to kind of guard out on the perimeter as well. So that was a guy who I could, you know, see the Cavaliers bring in, and you, know, you could kind of stagger him and Jared Allen at that time too. So yeah, I, I definitely like the the Marquis Bolden option, though. I guess I should say as a guy who could soak up some of those minutes down the stretch of the season. Yeah, and we'll see if he ever gets that fair shake opportunity to really get out there and make that impact. I feel like he's only gotten in in garbage time, and obviously being in the bubble and. Hot take that probably isn't so hot. I expect Kevin Porter Jr. to play for the Rockets this year and also get some starts based on their roster, the injuries, the, the turnover that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. It stinks to see it. I'm happy for him, though. It, it, it was mishandled by both sides, but 
if he's able to play basketball, I don't understand why the Cavs didn't just send him to their G League. I, I don't know why they traded him, if he was just going to be there, whatever. I mean, it's not like you can just acquire him. It's not like you can just trade jerseys in the bubble now, I wish. But he, he's gone. I've accepted it. And let's talk about one more Cav before we uh, sign off. Colin Sexton, averaging 23 points, four assists, had some great games, had some not-so-great games. Telling stat for me when we're talking about all-star is that he hasn't scored 30 points since the 40-burger against Brooklyn when he scored 20 straight, went absolutely crazy. Had me tweeting about him and LeBron being the same age when they did their overtime explosion. Um, He's not getting into the all-star game, right, Justin? There's absolutely no way. At this point, there's absolutely no way. And I think the votes are pretty much already in uh, for everything, so – the East is actually, as far as individual talents, a very, very, very loaded conference this year, all-star wise. Um, there are just a lot, a lot, a lot of guys, and there are going to be some very deserving guys that don't get in. Um, yeah, Colin at this point doesn't have a chance. He, he had a very, I thought, you know, he did have a very, very respectable chance and a very realistic chance there for a while. But I think over this kind of one team performance also gets factored into it. And uh, a 10-game losing streak really doesn't reflect well on your your case. Um, and also, his, his he has regressed slightly. Um, overall, I, I, and just kind of looking at Colin as, in a whole, obviously there was the kind of period where he stopped taking threes. Um, the, the team as a whole kind of stopped taking threes. And now it seems like the whole team is just kind of in this time where they're conscious of the fact that they just stopped taking threes. And now they're kind of trying to, you know, they're trying to take more on purpose rather than just kind of letting it come in the flow of things at times. And I think Colin is part of that. I think he's just kind of, it seems like he's just trying to do a little bit too much from out there now. Um, I, and I, I've said in the past that I want these guys to hunt those shots. I want them to get those shots outside, but it almost just seems like he's conscious of the fact that I need to take threes and he's kind of just going out of his way to do so at times. Um, other than that, I think, He's not getting to his spots on the floor as much as he was. Um, he's settling for a lot more long jumpers, whether those be threes. And like I said, I don't hate him taking those threes. It just seems like it's a little bit unnatural at times. Um, but he's taking a lot more long twos than he did earlier in the season as well. Uh, it seems like, you know, it, it, for, for the longest you know stretch of games there, he could kind of get into that mid-paint, you know, area where he could kind of just put up that push shot, put up the floater. And that was an automatic shot for him for a long period of time, but it just seems like, and maybe it's a defensive adjustment. Maybe it's just him being tired at this time. Uh, He's a guy who's dealt with some injuries and has been banged up at times. Maybe he's not feeling good physically, but it just kind of seems like he's not pushing the issue in that regard as much either. Um, He's like I said, he's, he's settling kind of just dribbling in a spot and kind of just trying to make a little bit of creation separation there and uh, just not really getting the shots that he was earlier and he's taking more difficult attempts. Um, obviously he's still been finishing well in transition. Um, but overall at this point, I guess, and the, the short answer, the end all be all explanation of the explanation is that no Colin Sexton is not going to be an all-star this year. Um, and unless half the Eastern conference get injured, uh, he's not going to be a reserve either. Yeah, you know, all good points. His game has definitely had its ups and downs. He's not as great as we thought he might be, but he's not as bad as many people unwittingly said that he would be. 
I'm still seeing people saying he needs to come off the bench. I'm just going to pretend I didn't read those. We're not even going to, we're not even going to talk about it. It's not a thing. He's a starter, you know, and at the end of the day, you want your best score in the starting lineup. Your best player can't be a sixth man. Lou Williams is the only exception to this rule literally ever in history and always will be, you know, Jason Terry was never the Mavericks best score. Jordan Clarkson, certainly not Utah's best score. Jamal Crawford was never the best scorer on the Clippers as great as he ascended wherever he was, Atlanta, you know, a great sixth man can truly only function when there is a, a kind of a, a concrete starting lineup already there where he can come in and be the sixth starter. That is the situation where it generally works the best. That's like Ibaka was for Toronto for a while, even though he was obviously good enough to start. He's not exactly what you think of when you think of, of sixth men because big men generally aren't the first off the bench. Here, Montrez, the only example of this. But, I mean, same with him, you know. Colin coming off the bench would be a disaster because you're going to put someone undeserving of starting ahead of him. It's not like you have a defensive specialist that's losing minutes because they're not starting. You know, at the end of the day, the Cavs have themselves a professional score and Colin Sexton is going to get a nice sum of money within the next two years, deservedly so. And we'll wait and see at the end of his first contract or by the time it's up how he feels about Cleveland. You know, is he going to – do what a lot of the guys do and eventually either request a trade or leave them high and dry, you know, way too early to even think about that. That is the future. But as we wrap up here, we've talked about Colin. We talked about JaVale, the loss last night, upcoming games. All right, so Justin, I'm going to quickly lay out this week's schedule. I believe the Cavs have three games. And in short, we're going to make quick predictions saying, when will the streak end? We got Atlanta tomorrow, Tuesday, win or loss at home. Loss. <laughs> okay. Hawk, I'm going to say one, another loss there. Hawks do score a lot of points. And I just have a feeling if Rondo plays, I don't know that he is. I don't even know what the situation is and it's not going to be fun. And I'm watching. I will just say, sorry, before we move on. Sure. Um, sorry. I will say like, I'm, I'm not somebody who is panicking over the streak. And we had kind of, you know, again, talked about this before we recorded. I think the Cavaliers are going to be fine long-term. Like this is not like a situation where like the Cavs are doomed they'll be fine. Um, even if this season, it doesn't go that well. Like remember what we thought this team was going to be before the season and look at where they are now. It's kind of where we thought they would be. Uh, we saw flashes, which were positive and they have been decimated by injuries. They are fine. But with that being said, um, the Cavaliers not only have like lost the last 10 games, but I'm pretty sure like they haven't even been covering the spread in these games. Like, they've not been coming close to winning outside of, I believe, the Phoenix game. Yep. So, it, it, the basketball is not good right now, and I'm not sure when the next win is coming. Um, I think it partially depends on when help is on the way uh, as far as injuries and, you know, guys coming back from injury. But, uh, well, I do acknowledge that I believe this team will be fine. I also acknowledge that this team is in a very, very – unfortunate position right now and i am not sure when the streak will end but we can we can keep going here yep uh houston on the 24th we're assuming that oladipo and wood remain out of the lineup and boogie would be gone i don't i don't know uh, right, i think a- boogie will still be there and um he's actually still playing for them he's hurt boogie's out for their uh their game he, i think he has a he, he has heel soreness tonight so, i don't but, know what uh, that he means still be in the roster he should he should he should still be on the roster for a little while um, I, I think there's no move. There's no deal imminent. Uh, I think Boogie's kind of in the same position as like Andre 
or as JaVale, I mean, uh, just kind of waiting for teams to kind of see how the, the Andre thing shakes out and see where he yeah. goes before they look to those backup options. So, yeah, we'll have to see what this heel thing is with Boogie, but I think he'll still be in the rotation for Houston as long as he's healthy. And then, so is he going to help the Rockets beat the Cavs on Wednesday? <sighs> you know what? Maybe Tari and Prince will be back for that game. So I'm going to say that's the game the Cavs win. It's Houston. Okay. I'm putting, I'll make my prediction now. Okay. I, Cavs I think, are going to beat Houston. I see an issue with stopping John Wall because he's just going to. The way so he's, do I. But I have to say, I have to say they're going to win one of these games. Yeah, no, I can't, I can't say they're going to lose the rest of the way. I'm with you. It won't be a 15 game skid. This is different than last time. It's not going to re- If it reaches. I'm not going to do one of those. If the Cavs do this, this, and that, then I will do something. I'm, I'm not going to do that. But they're not losing 26 straight. No way, no how. No. You're not going to eat your shoe? No, I'm not going to I'm not gonna eat my shoe. I'm not going to uh, – uh, whatever. I'm not going to jump off a building into a pool. I don't even know if that's – I'm not going to – honestly, I'm rusty. I don't even study. I'm not going to – you know what? I'm not going to take my cab shirt and write, I love the Warriors over it in spray paint. I will not do that. I will not if they lose 16 more in a row. Also, doing it during a losing streak would not get it many views because no one wants to watch that. They want to see it after something interesting happens. But anyway, I'm not going to I'm not gonna extend that. I, I'll, I'll take a win over the Rockets. I think it'll be fun to watch David Nawaba play. I'm really glad with how he's performed this year coming off the ACL injury. I think he still slept on. Not many guards finish through contact better than he does with his size and build. With how small they are, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jay Sean Tate ends up covering Jared Allen, although I'm happy for Jay Sean Tate. Always love to see guys at age 25 that finally get their chance and to be an older rookie and they just maximize it. He's He might be. I think he's their next P.J. Tucker, who I don't think we're going to see on Wednesday, so I'm really excited for Tate. Also, I have him in fantasy for two and a half weeks. That's also cool, but I'm really excited for him. We'll beat the Rockets. I, I see John Wall honestly dropping 45, but I just see the Cavs offense obliterating Houston enough where we get the win. And then last game of the week, I mean, I'm just, I have a, I would bet that Joel Embiid finds a reason to sit out. But uh, if Joel Embiid decides to play, is there anything the Cavs can do to hand the Sixers a loss in Philly where they only lost, I think, twice before the league stopped last year? Um, Maybe if they all play with their shoes off. <laughs> that, that That's about all I can think of. That's about all I got. Would, would, that, would that mean they're shorter? They're, are they subject to well, getting I think, their feet stepped on? Well, or, I mean, they're going to slide so much. They're going to be slipping. Ah, yeah. At that point, like, like, they're going to be cautious because they don't want to get hurt, so they might just kind of stand in place and let guys drive by them. So if, if, the, if the Sixers played the Cavs without their shoes, or if the Sixers didn't have their shoes on and they played the Cavs, I'll say, just to clear that up, I okay. think the Cavaliers would win. Also, I feel like the, the floor would be so cold. I feel like that would that would be terrible. You know, you don't have That'd be shoot. a factor, too. Yeah, yeah that'd be a factor, I mean, too. That's like when you, you wake up. You have some, like, some heated blankets on the sideline. Yeah. Uh, no, they might have to just play with the blankets on. I can't imagine that. I've never – I, myself, have never run with a blanket on unless you're running back into your bed to watch your show because you're freezing and you got your blanket wrapped. But, like – I mean, maybe they could wear double socks. The double socks wouldn't do it though, because the, the feet are. The, uh, then you're just wearing socks because you're wearing socks over your socks. You're still just wearing socks. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't even want to imagine that. Like, I, I've never. Sh- okay, actually, let's see. 
I've never stood on an NBA court. I've been on NBA court, not without shoes on. I've never been on, I've been on a hardwood floor, like my college gym. You know, when you, when you, when you're, when you know, when you go ball in the winter, Justin, you have to wear your boots there. So you don't ruin your sneakers and you put your sneakers on in the gym Mm -hmm. and you hope not to get water everywhere. That's the only time I've been shoeless and my feet weren't cold. I don't know. I just, I'm trying to imagine a situation where it's not just one possession with one shoe or in some cases where the player throws the shoe into the crowd. I, I love when that happens. <laughs> hate it for the person, hate it for the shoe, love it for the brand. But, you know, it, it's what it is. I'm, I'm going to give Philly a win. I think that they're going to wear their shoes. That's a surprising take. They're going to wear their shoes. Um, I, I will. I would go under on the over-under 0.5 number of times player loses shoe. If a player does lose a shoe, I'll make a side wager with you when we sign off in a moment. But I'll go one and two. And then they got Houston and Indiana, which we're not going to predict next week. And it's too far away. You don't know the health of the players. We're going to stay away from that. Uh, their last two. But, Justin, uh, always a pleasure having you on. And I look forward to talking again. And, by the way, I'm recording in my socks. I'll say that. So I look forward to I'm recording, recording in my socks as well. Really? Are, are they, are they calf yes. socks? Calf socks? They are Bombas. I don't know if you've heard of that brand. They're not calf socks. I didn't know Mo Bamba had a sock brand. That's news to me. Uh, it, yeah, uh, it's it's B O M B A S. Okay, like so, La Bamba. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but either way, you know, it's it's been fun. You know, I'm wearing my Washington National socks. That is, I don't talk baseball. I'm not even going to tell you if they're my favorite team or not, or anyone listening. You you won't know what my baseball team is. I mean, I guess if you check my personal account, which many of you do, maybe you'll just know. But got my Washington National socks on that may or may not have been ordered the day after the World Series of 2019. I don't know if that's telling. Who knows? But, Justin, it was great talking Cavs hoops, and I look forward to getting together again soon to break down the mystery that is the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'll be here. Glad to do it anytime. Thanks for having me on. All right, so for Justin Matcham, I am Zach Weiss. This has been the latest edition of Across the Cavs. Until next time, find me on Twitter. Instagram, podcast available on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you want to listen to it, you can find it. That simple. Made it easy for you. Have a great week. Cavs winning streak will be over. Actually, here's this. Here's my proposition. This is my last episode until the Cavs win a game. Boom. Dynamite, dynamite laid. Come and get me, uh, Wiley Coyote. I'm the roadrunner out here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep running until the Cavs win a game.